on Building Value, we go behind the scenes at some of the most iconic buildings in Texas to showcase the incredible people that design, build, and maintain them and their impact on the community. So I, I like the, the remote expert, and that's something that we're using already. So we have uh, the application, and we're looking at different ways to be able to use it, whether it's a QR code on the, uh, on the control panels that we manufacture that people can scan it immediately get uh, routed to a remote expert. Or the way we do it right now is a little bit more manual, is they typically call in, and then we say, okay, let me send you this link, and we'll start start the call that way, right? But it, I mean, it happens in their browser. They don't have to install an app, anything like that. But you could, you know, build it into an app if you wanted to. But that has been helpful for us that, you know, moving over into the operations side of the building and remotely troubleshooting. And either, I mean, I've literally been able to walk somebody getting water back onto a hospital just by seeing what they see in real time and being able to kind of point out, like you said. But the, you know, the other thing that it does is if we can't diagnose the issue remotely, or, or can't fix it remotely, we can diagnose it so that when we do come out on site, right. we've got what we need. You know, we've cut down on drive time, their yep. their cost. I mean, it is is incredibly effective tool to be able to use to to help somebody that you're not there. What's uh what's what's really cool? It sounds like real futuristic when I say it, but like the company in the front of our facility, um the uh, the owner of the company now lives I don't know another state. And if you walk into their facility, they have a full warehouse. There's a ton of equipment in there. Um, if you walk around it, you'll find about three or four of these rolling robots. Cool. And it's basically, you know, wheels, and then there's a screen at top. Yep. And if you go into his office, he's sitting behind the desk on his robot. And and then on top of that, he can he can basically wheel around. So if he's trying to find... Uh, a component instead of trying to like call like he can go and look for it in his facility or give client tours so they can remote into the robot and they can basically go together and he can give tours of their facility without ever having a client have to go there and and the remote expert ties into there right because now he can wheel around and he's that's basically what he's doing is remote expert when there's a person who has a problem in the warehouse or a sales rep and they're trying to find something he can just roll in we've had a meeting with them and yeah, we're sitting at the conference table like this, and wow. all of a sudden the door comes swinging open, and he's bumping it with his robot, and he comes and parks at the table, and we have a full <laughs> meeting with his with his you know his face, and that's it. Yeah. So, uh. do you know you're like really important when you get them in person? <laughs> you get the person person. Yeah. It's like uh, you know I'm I I got him on a, on the phone. Well, I got him on email. I got him on the phone. I got him on a Zoom. I got him in robot. I got him in human form, like you're. <laughs> or like, you're in real trouble. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, either way, you're important to him that day. Yeah. Good or bad. Great for COVID, though. I mean, think about what we're dealing with right now. Absolutely. Like, how useful is it to have everyone working remote, and literally, you can still be in a, um, an active right. facility and warehouse. What a what a weird paradigm. It like, is. What a like very. I'm in tech, and it made I was like kind of felt weird doing right. it. On you your know? heels. And hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah. It's it, I mean that's. It makes sense, and and those things aren't unreasonable in cost. Like, uh, I think there are specific use cases where they really make sense, but I think right. his use sure. case makes complete sense for it. Does, so, does he actually like dress the robot once a week, change its shirt? You know, um, I bet he's pantless. <laughs> I bet he's pantless behind, like in his, in his real desk. You know, yeah. in the other state. But yeah, like, uh, uh, it's easy to handle, and and I guess the client tour value adds another element from the sales yeah, cycle, that, right? That's really interesting. I, that's not. 
you know, the only, I think that was on uh, an episode of the Big Bang Theory. I think we did one of those, you know, but I, I, in a real life situation, I haven't really heard of that. But it, I mean, absolutely makes sense, especially like you said right now. But you have a great facility, right? And, and I bet it's hard sometimes if you're dealing with someone to get them there. But you could literally sure. like drop them in, and yeah. like I think you even do it like a web browser, and they just use their mouse and and, and they can just right. roll through. And then when they're done, this thing just backs up and docks, right. kind of like your your your, your Roomba. Roomba. Yeah, yeah. Roomba. yeah, yeah. And 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 in Houston, that's a great that's a great deal. I mean, I don't you'll never lose the in person, but I mean, go to a meeting. You can't talk to somebody in, into coming to your facility because they got to deal with two hours of traffic, and you're like. Well, maybe I wasn't important enough for them to be there in person, but hey, at least I kept the conversation going. You know, that's a huge yeah. thing. Yeah, for so. sure. So what other, you, you know, I think the other component that we've talked about with um, these, especially the VR, like what we were doing earlier, is this aspect of on, ongoing training uh, for building operations. And we do a lot of training, um, had to pivot to virtual training recently, but that's, you know, me in front of a camera doing uh, right. Zoom classes, right, with actual equipment, this would take it to a whole nother level. Yeah, actually, it, you know, COVID's not been a good thing for us in the short term. Like, I mean, it hurt, it hurt our business. Like, that's just being honest, right? But the opportunity it has provided has been significant. I mean, we're getting a lot of calls about now people recognizing the importance of virtual training, and it not just being a webinar, like right. everyone is so tired of webinars. Like, do I really have to watch a talking head again and a PowerPoint presentation with 97 bullet points per slide? Like oh, yeah. people are just, I mean, they're zoning out, they're on their phone right. like this, you know, yep. like, cause they're just not interested. Um, and so people are understanding the need for virtual training. Sure. It's funny when you talk about AR, VR, cause like I mentioned, AR is like just a much bigger market cause there's so much day to day right. things, but the VR technology is just so awesome. Like people get hooked on it, and there is a lot of value there. Um, it, it's, it's, it's getting recognized because of this problem mm -hmm. that the opportunity in in virtual is really key, and that, and that's good for us. It positions us well. People are wanting to know about the technology. That's really right. what we're doing now. Is we're saying, hey, like let's not talk about sales. Let's not talk about budgets. Right. Let's just sit down. And let me educate you on this technology find these use cases and let's work through that and see if it really makes sense for you. Once we do that, then we can, we can start talking about budgets and things in the future when they're ready. Um, right. And that's what, that's what's happened. And, and you know what I see as is the biggest potential for the use of the training in, in our industry, you know, for these, the facilities managers, for the yeah. stationary engineers is in that virtual environment. And that we keep referencing the the training that we did, we'll, we'll have a, you know, a little separate video for everybody to, that can watch kind of us going through that, um, that VR environment, but we can put people in a situation in that virtual environment that you can't in the real world, right? Like I wouldn't want somebody to learn how to stop a, a, a brake tank from overflowing by flooding a mechanical room, right? <laughs> right? right? But in the VR, you could do it and you could make it random. Like you could, you could add that gamification, right? Yeah. The, the, so the, the scenario based is what I kind of yeah. call that. Like that's where like the catastrophic stuff, yes. right. that's where like it may never happen, but people don't know how to react. It's not even just about preventing it. It's what about how do you react when it happens? Sure. Correct. Like what happens if you're on a construction site and this crane collapses, right. like muster points, right? right? All these different factors. Um, I, I got a good example. We, we were working into one and this company was like, look, we, we have a facility. We deal with chemicals and a chemical fire is an interesting fire. 
um, and, and these different fires that we may encounter in our facility is tough. Not only that, but like people, they, they take a test, they see, understand what they need to do when it happens, but how do they really know? So what we, call, what we put together is the idea of randomizing the fire, right? even the size of the fire. So like, do you go get a fire extinguisher right. or do you trip the sprinkler system? Right. Because the sprinkler system is going to cause a lot of damage in the facility. Right. Huge. Yeah. But it's also going to save lives if necessary. Right. So you would randomize the size, but then it's interesting. So there's other things to think about. You grab a fire extinguisher. It's how you use the fire extinguisher. If you're just spraying it fast, that's the wrong way to do it. Right. You're supposed to spray it at the base and take a very slow motion yep. through it. And so if they do it, if they have a small fire and they grab the fire extinguisher and they do it wrong, it's not going to put it out. Fire. It's going to flame, right? <laughs> right. Or, or they do it right and it's done. And so the, these, it was an interesting thing around at what point, if they did that wrong, they still now need to go trip the sprinkler system. Sure. Right. And then they need to go out the door. They need to trigger the alarm and exit, right? Right. And that's something – like training that in the real world is just not – You can't recreate that urgency. And I can tell you being in that – I mean, you're so immersed in that right. environment, especially when we did the – the driving simulator yes. and the person in front of you hit the brakes. Yep. It felt like I was about to be in a car wreck. Right. I mean, so I think if you're in that environment, you yeah. see that fire, you're going to have that urgency to react. Like you, you want them like, to feel that threat. Yeah. Almost. Exactly. Yeah. And before today, honestly, I thought VR was ridiculous. Like I, th I didn't think we were there. I thought it would take time. That braking thing that we did, dude, I, I still have a little like <laughs> adrenaline from it. Like I still feel it. And sure. when you can spike that emotion, and then you're like running around the room. You're like, oh, man, where did I put the gas mask? Oh, this design doesn't have gas masks. Like it doesn't have a muster point. The, you'll feel the emotion. You, you, uh, the more you can trigger the – that's kind of tying into the emotion, which is the why. The yeah, why factor the why. is always what you start with, right? Right. Let's be honest. Most of the training is the what it is and how you, and how you do it, right? Right. And that's where you lose that value where the VR can actually bring that while also providing more of the what and the how, right? So – um, an another really awesome use case, and I can't, I'm actually gonna get to try it in the next two weeks. Is uh one called I think it's called Flame, Kay. and it's a firefighter training. Okay. And this thing you put you put on a like a suit, and you you have the VR headset on, and you're actually going in as a as a firefighter, and you have this tool that when you turn on the the hose, it it you feel the uh -huh. amount of pressure of this hose, and this thing will heat up, wow, and make you Ooh. like it, it does all these things to capture that emotional intensity of a fire when you're dealing with it. And I think that's unreal. And I, I'm, I'm going to try it in a couple of weeks. I can't wait. Um, nice. But but that ties in more to what you're saying is like, how can we use VR to provide training for things that you just cannot simulate in the real world? Right. Like our distracted driving simulator, we right. built that for Texas A&M. It was funded by State Farm. And we did it because they're doing a presentation to kids and they're telling them why. I mean, there's all these emotional videos they share and they're showing this right. data. But... Um, you can't put them in the parking lot and say, hey, all right, now that you've gone through my presentation. <laughs> Run through this one. Yeah, I'm going to start sending you some texts. I want you to drive up on the freeway, and let's just see how well you do, right? Yeah. Uh, you've paid some guy to cut you off, you know, right. as their head's down. I mean, so, you can do it once. Yeah, <laughs> yes. right, right. Yeah, so, you so can you, definitely do it once. You know, we, we, um, we did that so they can feel it, and they can understand that when your head is down looking at that phone, you cannot react if a car pulls in front of you. And well, that's where the value of VR can really come in. Well, and I think the why is so valuable on the design engineering side. Um, I was told once that you don't become an engineer without a minimum of 10 years of experience. And the reason why is because 
the the math for people that are math gifted and science gifted that stuff is very easy for us the theory is is easy for the people that are good in those realms but the sheer experience the mistakes the years of mistakes is is the value and man you could really you could spin people through a lot of designs um using this simulation and and show those mistakes and show those whys and that's the thing is the it's like an evolution it's like machine learning you know i saw this great thing on machine learning and they were running through multiple generations like in 30 seconds and that's why the program then learned how to drive around a course because it did like a thousand generations in 30 seconds well maybe you could do a hundred generations of a design in 30 minutes like that would be great you know because like then maybe your system selection changes a little bit your cost of the system you're designing and understanding of that cost sensitivity is there it there, there's tons of value tons of value and you can make this thing as deep as possible and then you can immerse anyone in the world in it so deep as possible and then take seven billion people put them in it that's the thing that just blows my mind like absolutely yeah, yeah. What, explain something like what's the most famous book ever published and i doubt it was published seven billion times probably just the bible probably the bible and i i don't know i haven't looked it up but i doubt it's been published seven billion times so but you could do this you know and make it this depth and then put everyone in it everyone that's that's a whoa it's weird to think about right it's weird to think <laughs> about because we forget that like the greatest one of the greatest technology jumps in human history is the written word that ability to learn something write something down hand it off to the next generation and like hey these are my mistakes read them you know what i mean now we could do it on such an immersive environment one of the um one a really nice use case that we've been we've been working through is that uh in some industries there's a big gap between who's about to retire and the next right. the next people just because you you deal with sometimes these like these economic downfalls right. and it, mm -hmm. a bunch of layoffs and anything um well the problem is a lot of these industries are still relying on those people as the they, they have the knowledge right and they're teaching these people and maybe they've written it down but it's like very protocol based when you're actually doing it they they're gonna they're gonna take their own opinions on how right. they should do it right well there's ways now that you can literally using things like AR, you can like record your process and then even add digital overlays into the real world. So now when an entry level person comes in, they can pull it up and they can use that information. Mm -hmm. And so what we're talking about is not just retention, but now knowledge transfer. Right. Yep. And so what it's doing is standardizing knowledge transfer yes. so that it makes it better for the younger generation to move up. The other piece that is like is a little concerning to me is that we still are, I mean, we're still following such a traditional method of learning, right? right. Like you're talking about the webinars and, and, and though, you know, the web aspect is, is not something that you do 30 years ago. It's the same mentality of like sure. teaching someone in a classroom. Yeah. And, and the problem is if you look at the generations, so I love like researching generations, even right. the stereotype stuff around like their yep. characteristics and, um, I think y'all are on the same age as me, and so we fall in like the lost generation. Like right. we take a little bit of the uh, 
of the the Gen X yeah. and a little bit of the millennial, right? We're like right in the middle of that and I'm I'm technically a millennial. Okay. It took me a while to accept it, but <laughs> okay. I'm 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 a the high end. Yeah. Yes. So so the I'm older I'm, millennial. I'm like right in the middle. Like they say yeah. like seventy eight to eighty two or something like that can be like the lost generation, I think they called us and um but what's what's an interesting I read a, I watched a TED talk on this guy who who just studies uh generations and he talks about the Gen Zs, mm-hmm. you know, the I Gens. Um and his theory is that that is the first generation that's going to influence all the generations above them. And we all had this idea that the millennials are the, the tech generation. We're the ones that are the tech savvy ones, right? Right. And really, we're just tech dependent. Like, we right. understand how to use it. But we don't truly understand how everything works, right? right. So that's kind of his theory on the millennial side. Where the Gen Zs, I mean, they're learning programming as a kid. Right. Like, all these different things. So they're going to truly know how things work. And, and why this is important is that when you're – we're talking about how people are still learning in a really traditional sense, even the millennials and the uh, the younger millennials and the Gen Zs, like, they have grown up playing video games. Right. They have grown up with fast-paced uh, content and not three hours' worth of content in their face, right? Like, right. we are not adjusting how we learn to the generations. And so when you think about construction, I think I heard this a couple of times, is like it's a very dated – Dated industry, right? It's very old school. Everyone uses that term old school. And that's a problem when it comes to training because these generations are not learning anymore like we had to learn. And I'd say we had to. Like I would have much rather learned than a video game, right? Correct. So I think think, um, that's the concern for me is that that as as companies are getting into more of these safety pieces, Uh like these kids are not going to be listening to anything that's going on and it's going to open up a lot of opportunity for injury and deaths and that's something we can resolve by them by by industries like construction evolving into this technology absolutely and and definitely the american generations of the gen z's and the young millennials but you have immigrant populations that are coming in from countries that still have a very traditional and industrial revolutionary education system and are very still very low tech and reader based and apprentice based because really all this is is a new a revolution in apprenticeship is this engagement of experiment and experiment based simulation is really what we're talking about right here and but that apprenticeship model still exists in you know southeast asia latin america africa so the immigrants are going to come in with a with an understanding of how to engage and apprentice and learn from our older generations. But what does that put the generations in the United States that grew up with this fast-paced information? Where are they going to be? Are they going to be left out of the of the workforce, or are they going to revolutionize the workforce and that knowledge transfer? That's the big question that everybody's waiting on. We're definitely behind the overseas side. Like uh, Europe, um, Europe and, in, in, you know, like, Japan, China, yeah. like they're they're more advanced than us when it comes to the tech side. Like they are, and and they're embracing it faster. It feels. I mean, from my experience with working with companies with overseas as well as ones in the states, like we aren't embracing it as fast and as effectively as they are. Um, and I'm not making that a competition. I'm just yeah. kind of pointing out to what you're saying is like that raises more concern right. for the part of the training aspects and these things that we can really prevent it. We just have to allocate budgets the correct place right you know move things around and, right. and start considering this initiative as important and once we do that 
And and kind of your note, you yeah. mentioned like you didn't think the VR headset was there. No. Right? Like that's a problem because right. it is there, right? It can still improve. Like there are limitations in yeah. some aspects, but um, it's there enough that people can be using it effectively. Um, and, and people don't realize that. Uh, part of my educational presentations around the reason why that is, um, first of all, it's not very new, right? Like, I, mean, no, I, mean, it's, I mean, it's very new. It's it's like 2013 is when the consumer side okay. came out or the, the the dev kits for Oculus. They were doing VR before that, but yeah. let's be honest, it was right. it was terrible. It was a kiosk in the mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, NASA's like, Astro, NASA basically. used to build yes. their own. NASA yeah. used to build their own headsets, yeah. and now they they don't have to. But um, the problem is the dev kit came out, yeah. and people tried to. St- start using it and and i know companies like our competition was already selling it to their clients and i was like our guys like we should sell them like no (laughs) like no it's not gonna work Uh, like it's gonna be a one-off thing you're gonna lose a client and sure enough i started seeing them more and more in events and this is when when i say dev kit that headset is meant for companies like us to test in and to send feedback but people started using it yeah and then the dev 2 kit came out and everyone's like oh great it's gonna be better and it was like "Eh." It's kind of, it is better. I mean, that's not a lie, but it's right. still not good. Then the consumer one came out, and that's I think when people didn't, they were still hesitant, and and now it's possible, um, especially now that the Quest has come out. Yeah. Um. And so, and and the HTC Vive, you know, has a standalone as well. So, I think the reason why that matters is it's a cost investment. I mean, if you have to buy a headset for four hundred dollars and buy a computer, right? You're you're now spending, you know, a couple thousand dollars per station. Right. Where now the headset for four hundred dollars as a standalone is an option that that's scalable. Sure. That's something yeah. that you can you can you can get behind. So well, I mean, you look at a classroom of thirty five people, and you look at the textbooks that they have, and those textbooks are probably a market price to eighty five dollars a textbook. I mean, you're right at four hundred dollars, you yeah. know. And then, but one of you allowed the kids to do a working co op. So they're not all in school at the same time. Maybe they have a job as well. And maybe they come in for their their series, which is like you know, 30 minutes to an hour, which is their lesson inside your class that day. And it's all phased throughout the day. I mean, I don't know exactly how to make it work. I'm just saying that the price point is close. Yeah, it's not necessarily there, but it's close. Point is, we don't need to, we don't need to think about how it works right now. Right. The thing is, like the discussions just need to start occurring and saying, right. like, okay. Like this technology's ready, right? What we always push proof concepts. Right. That's that's a big thing of ours. Like I don't want to sell a big project for the first time someone's coming into it. I want to sell it as small as possible with right. the most value, so that they can get more buy-in internally and then grow it. Right. It also helps eliminate technical debt, so we don't build a big thing and they go, "Oh man, really? Only twenty-five percent of it was useful." Right. right. Let's build small and then grow it. And and I think those discussions just need to start happening. People need to say, right. "Okay, technology's ready." What are we lacking? Where are we struggling? What's going on in our issues with training, as an example? And then figure out the most value to the least amount of investment and start there. Right. Right. I I just, my mind just keeps spinning on the, this competency competition that we could build that, you know, it's like these textbooks and everything and all, all that we know is, is a lot of it's empirically based, but a lot of it is kind of opinion and experience. And one of you could capture an experience in a more competency competition and see who yeah. can get there. Well, everyone does competency-based training, right? But it's not 
like this. Like this is true. Yeah. This is actually true. Like competency based training. Whereas yeah. now they're just taking tests, right? Yeah. What I don't mean pass fail. What I mean is between the three of us, who who's better? Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like put a task in the middle of us. That's this virtual task. It is AR task. We all grab it. And between the three of us, who's better? Who has a better puzzle mind? Who has a better whatever? Yeah. I don't know. There's a movie in uh, Portuguese on uh, Netflix called 3%. And the 3% that pass all these randomized tests get to go to this the island. So they live in barrios. And I think it's supposed to be in either, like, I, I think it's supposed to be in Brazil. They live in these barrios, the 97% of the population. Okay, and then you got to go take these tests. And who gets to go to the 3%, the promised land? And these tests are very weird, okay? But they're all intelligence-based. Like, what if we got more? This strategy, if applied to everyone, could change our understanding of intelligence because the benchmark we have for IQ is, it's it's not there. There's a lot of holes you can push in that right now. This could change all of that. Intelligence to me is also very... um I don't, it's not opinionated, but it's very specific to to your knowledge. Like, what what are you looking at, right? Like you mentioned puzzles versus, you know, uh, someone yeah. who does math versus, you know, like right. like I mean, I was strong in math growing up, and I was absolutely wretched in English, right? Right. And so I think I think your intelligence level, especially when you when you're dealing with a career, not right. how smart am I generally, right? Right. Like that's where the IQ comes in. It's like if if you determine you know, who's better in what specific right. roles as you already identify with like stop work authority. So right. all these things you're thinking about are all like exactly what you should be thinking about because this can identify who knows what in what, what area, where in what area exactly, right. who's the best in those areas. And it makes friendly competition right. just because someone's better now. Doesn't mean you know, better tomorrow. This sets a benchmark. So if, if Tim gets crushed by you in this right. AR example, right? Like he now knows he needs to get better. And yeah. he's motivated or should be motivated to do better than you, which means he needs to learn more. He needs Correct. to practice more and he needs to, to step up his game. Or uh, so in the education model, there is a theory that is instead of you strengthening your weaknesses, you strengthen your strengths. Sure. And then you find a partner that is strong in your weakness. And think of the beautiful, think of the beautiful collaboration. If we've dropped that 7 billion people in this. We find people we've never met before that satisfy our weakness. And I see intelligence is as a trait that is like athleticism. Okay. You're athletic. You can run, you can do this. And like you were saying, there is these competencies. There's like a sport that you're good at. It's like, dude, you're seven foot tall. You're going to go play basketball. Like, okay. Like if you're athletic and you're seven foot tall, that equals basketball. Right. 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 So it's along those lines of finding those competencies, but it's also this like innate talent. And man, I. It's, it's funny you mentioned that. I was actually thinking the exact same thing because we, we use the Strengths Finder, uh, the Gallup Strengths Finder assessment yep. at our office. And it was very eye opening for me to take that and to see that my strengths are more task based than people based. And it, it, I took it at a time where I was also trying to pivot towards outside sales. And I was, I was terrible. <laughs> like the idea of cold calling, you know, Scott McGee in our office, who's, you know, uh, 
co-founder with my dad and, and VP of sales, he's like, Hey, I just need you to call these guys and, and let them know we're going to this trade show and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I literally, I was like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, I can't even start this. And I'm like, how do you do it? And he was, he couldn't even really explain how he did right. it because it was just naturally right. his ability to do that. And so, yeah, to be able to, I, I mean, rather than taking him as questions or have it be this immersive deal. But like you said, when you figure out what those strengths are and you can apply them, it, it well, makes a big difference. You can practice as much as possible, but like uh, right. eventually there's a talent aspect of it no right. matter what. I, mean, I, I remember when I was teaching tennis, there was two, two, two students. I'll never, I'll probably tell this story between these two students till they die. They were very competitive. Right. I had one student who, you know, I would say wasn't as athletic and he wasn't as coordinated, but he worked his ass off and he was training since he was little this other kid i was over there and I, I look over and i see him hitting on the wall and and i walk over and i start talking to him like hey like you play tennis and he's like well no i just moved here um i just i i saw that there was tennis court so i, I picked up a racket at walmart and i'm just kind of hitting his wall i said just come do my class you know and so he comes over and it took him like i don't know a month <laughs> and he was already like competing and and right. some eventually starts beating the other kid, even though the kid really was was playing more, more tournaments, practicing more, and and the practice is an aspect, but that talent, right. like that kid had a talent for right. the the technical mechanics of tennis, right. the athleticism, the footwork, especially the footwork. Like he immediately picked that up, and you can teach it only so much. Right. Eventually, like they just have to have it. Sure. So, I mean, I just see this as a huge opportunity to break down all barriers and reform a community based around competency. You could dissolve all identity. You could dissolve all, all of the problems, all the differences, and then reunify around your ability and the ability of your team. And then what if you found this team that fills all the gaps and then go conquer the world, go Take us to Mars. Go do whatever. <laughs> Take us to Mars. Elon Musk will hire you. There Let's you go. go to Mars. His strength is as a visionary. Of course. Like he's a visionary <laughs> yeah. for sure. I love it. Um, I, I think that uh, the one thing I want to leave, at least with the, the aspect of virtual reality, is, is we talk about a lot about what the user is going through and what they're experiencing. What the business gets is, is one thing that's key about games is that statistics. Yes. And so when you play Call of Duty, yeah. You know, probably everyone listening has has kids who play it or they've played some type of first person shooter and it's tracking everything. Like, yep. you know, how many kills your shot, yeah. how inaccurate, how accurate, you are, dude, I hate right? the accuracy. One. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate I, it. Like after, you know, a few beers, you can see your accuracy drop. Right. Yeah, you start just, spraying it everywhere. And so yeah. like it, it, it tracks that. And it's interesting that some stats are more important to other people. Like for mm -hmm. me, I was never that concerned with having a ton of kills. I wanted I wanted just more kills than deaths. And if I could yeah. do that every time, I was winning. And yeah. my accuracy mattered. I don't know why, because that has no significance to winning yeah. a game, but that mattered to me. And, and what was important, though, is that it's tracking all of that. Right. And so when, these comp when companies are bringing in training and they're bringing it into a simulation, this doesn't have to be VR. This is just simulation-based right. training. It's trackable. Yeah. What that means is that demo that you guys did upstairs, we yeah. were actually tracking all of that. Perfect. So I can go back into our back-end system, which we call HubXR, and I can look at the data Good. around when they fired. Yes. And I can even group those categories. So, like, I can see if there's 100 steps. Right. Really simple. 100 steps. The first 20 is a startup process, right? I can take these 20 steps and group them as a startup process. Right. Now, if let's say a thousand people from a company go through this, right. I can look and see 
what category people are weaker in. Correct. What type of hazards are they missing? You know, or are they missing the the people that are actually working incorrectly, like right. they're doing a safety violation, or are they just missing a hammer on the ground that right. is out of place? You know, all of these things can be evaluated. Now you can go back to your course material yep. and say, okay, like we are weak here. This Adaptive is a vulnerable testing. spot. Now let's adjust our content. Let's yep. make it better, and then let's put these in the simulation and make sure they really understand this. And so the business side and the operations can really improve. Um, training just from that data no and that so. adaptive testing and that adaptive uh, uh you know putting them back in the simulation again and again that's great yeah i mean because we're never i don't believe we're going to be at a place ever to where we have enough cognitive ability to really capture the right metrics i love stats i love statistics but it takes o almost a transcendent mind to actually capture what buckets like your kd ratio why does that matter I mean, I like headshots, but like, why does that matter? And it just matters because of my perspective. But understanding, and it, while we're capturing all these statistics, that's also going to drive a new definition of success, a new definition of a role model, the role model and mentor relationship. It's like, who's actually doing it right and who do we need to emulate? It's going to really drive that too. And you could only find that through your system of statistics and that adaptation of the simulation i agree and you know i think there's a lot of companies out there that um may share in your your vision of this amazing virtual global team yeah <laughs> maybe elon elon give me a call <laughs> elon's gonna want an intergalactic team right, right? So, sign you know, me up he's Let's on a whole other level you gotta look like elon but, no i don't i wish i was i wish i knew him he's a great I mean that would be a great opportunity, but you know. But if there's if there are companies, especially in construction, that are are wanting to add some sort of technology like this to either their training or their design process, what is a good first step for them? So if they're looking to add to the training side, okay. right? Yeah, let's talk Tra about their design side. Is that what you said? Either one. Either one. Okay. So I mean, the first step on on the training side is to identify one of two scenarios. The first one is what what can be used across the entire company? So, for example, if we mentioned life-saving rules earlier, like most companies, if anytime you have to, you, you have to go on location, yeah. you have to understand the life-saving rules. And so that one, you know, even if someone is not um, an actual worker in the construction field, when they, even if they're from corporate, we'll say, right. they still have to understand that. So that simulation can be used across the entire company, right. not just a specific division right. doing a, a specific process. Okay. Or you identify the most catastrophic one or the one that, that has the highest risk and you make sure whoever's doing those that they're getting a simulation that really covers that so that they're as safe as possible. Uh, on the design side, you know, this one's a little tricky for me. It, you know, because I think the best use case right now is honestly bringing the design into the construction site. So it's actually a little bit after the design has been approved, mm -hmm. right? And you have it, but like, being able to make sure that the people on location are building it the way it's supposed to, to me that has a ton of value. Right. Um, mostly if you're looking to go, what's the lowest cost to be able to get some value? I mean, I think remote expert makes the most sense in that, in that right. aspect when you're stepping into the construction side. Um, there's, there's not, the issue with the design phase to me is kind of what you identified. It's very fragmented. It's kind of right. hard to go 
a portion of the Absolutely. way in because all you're doing is fragmenting something right. that's already fragmented. <laughs> so it's like it's like right. you're kind of adding to the problem. Um, but but bringing it in visually into something like VR. I mean, like I said, it, it, take a second and like look at like right. Revit in VR, right? Go on and look at the videos and see what you get out of it. You know, does that add value to you? That's mm -hmm. something that that I leave more as a question mark for the for the listeners. So for sure. the design side, what I see is, first of all, a lot of our designs are schematic in nature. Uh, you know, as a design professional, we take it through permitting and then there is a handoff of responsibility after that for the contractor and the tradesman to finish out the project. But on the design side to where the type of clients you should really be focusing on are clients that do EPCM delivery because that's a fully integrated. They're doing the design, the procurement, the construction, the management, it's fully integrated. So those clients like, you know, Jacobs, um, other firms that are fully integrated top to bottom, those are the firms that if you went after, there would be a lot of value there because in the design process, you take it through schematic and permit and then you would kind of flip it on its head and redo everything and take it to shop quality drawings and you would have every little thing located. And that's why you would have to be fully integrated vertically because you would be putting all this front end loaded work and you wouldn't see the value until the building was built. So the only way to capture that money is in reduced change orders. And the only way to have the reduced change orders is you're literally the guy holding the title of the building that you then sell that final product to your client. So as my recommendation yeah. to you, no, find, no, I mean, find no, clients right. that do like, EPCM. Like they need to be like the full turnkey solution. Right. I mean, if, if you're, if you're like we, and we've had some discussions with those because it is interesting, like how they can take it from, you know, A to Z. Yeah. If you're thinking about the pure, like just design, you right. know, like, cause you're right. Like the handoff gets tricky because right. you have to have everyone on board. Um, and that's a tough thing to solve. If you were to say, you know what, scratch the construction, and we're just focusing on design, like you still have the ability to bring this in kind of like I mentioned in my office, right? right? Yep. So I think that comes at the very end of your design, you know, like sure. you've worked it to the point where, you right. know what, like this is kind of a final approval thing. And I think it comes into sales marketing right. as well as kind of final sign off because yep. putting a, a client into right. the, into the environment and saying, all right, like let's walk through this. Let's let's see right. how the room feels, the size, the, the the layout, the benefit of that layout. Um, actually, I put together a really nice use case for uh, control rooms. Nice. So uh, think of the oil and gas company. They have these control yep. rooms, and it's not very easy to say take the competition into another control room. Right. right. It's real sensitive information, and it's always running. Right. But there's a really interesting strategy around uh the layout of the control room yeah. the lighting um the way the computer is structured so that it doesn't hurt your eyes all right. these different things and the way lighting can change based off of day versus night yeah um directional sound spatial sound interesting alarms right yeah. i'm sitting at this desk how does the alarm sound impact me versus the person over here what's my visibility from my computer to the big screens up front um all of these interesting things come into play when you design a control room right so where that can be used is two pieces. One, you can build one and, sh and give someone a tour. I mean, you can trigger voiceovers based off of where they land and yep. let them see all these really awesome things. Um, you can also, when you're actually working on a project with a client, 
at that final design phase, once you've worked through everything, put it into VR because that's a little yeah. bit of an investment. Put it into VR at that point and give them a true walkthrough. You hope that also eliminates more right. back and forth Correct. as what was what was there and not. And literally, you can put them back in it. If right. they say no, we had this layout this way. You're like, no, here's the final layout that we that we set. Right. And you can put them back in and show them the scale of that. Well, and buy-in right now is very difficult because what it is is it turns into a page turn. The only people at the meeting that know what construction drawings have a a lot of familiarity looking at construction drawings are the design professionals. And and they've looked at that drawing package for probably a thousand hours. So they're like, yeah, there's page one, there's page two. Yeah, this is great. You know, and getting that buy-in, getting that final sign-off is huge because it isn't communicated in a page turn. That's why a lot of times we'll do a PowerPoint presentation. But then again, like we've talked about all day, that isn't a great communication tool and it's not good for knowledge transfer. Design's interesting. I, you know, I, I find it, I mean, I, I was uh, building a house a couple of years ago and then it yeah. flooded during Harvey. So we, we did nice. not continue that build. <laughs> but, but we were the first, um, first of this like spec home, this new model okay. they were building. And so they had the, the designs and they were showing us the blueprints and all this. And right, well, two major failures happened when they were building our house. One, because we added this like additional room up top, they no longer could have a real fireplace. So they had to make it like a fake fireplace. The other one is they had this this idea of the the staircase, but it was interesting because the way the door opened, the front door, because it was like a little yeah. right there, it would bump the front the first stair, the the first yeah. step. So it was like these simple things, right. but from the designer, it seemed good. And when we saw it, it looked fantastic. I'm like, I love this layout. Everything looks fantastic. But the moment they started building it, right? Right. If they would have put that, you know, those different models into something like VR, they would have been able to identify. No doubt, like the issue with right. the room just literally right. breaching over it, <laughs> or, um, or or the idea of the staircase, you know, well, it's pretty interesting. And in communicating that space feel, I mean, that's where architects really do a great job. They really do. And um, but the average person doesn't think two dimensional and then think abstractly about how the space feels in the three dimensional. That's yeah. not their job. I can't do it. Yeah. I, like to your point about being able to feel what it would look, you know what it would feel like to walk into this office and look around. I can't look at a piece of paper and, and do that. Even in, when you're walking through a house that's that's just studs, right? Yeah. There's yeah. no walls. I can't build the walls in my head to, to feel what it's going to look like. When, the the when other thing is, is like furniture. And, 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 right. and, and take furniture and move it to like construction and, and someone's facility and say, you know, equipment. Right. Like you really don't get a feel for how that's going to be until, until it's built out. Um, it's interesting to think about also redesign, right? Like you can actually look at an office, a real office and throw furniture and different things in place, right? right? And see how it would change the look and feel of that environment. Um, and that's something also that has value. You know, there's times where a facility has to get yeah. redone, uh, you know, like a, a, an office space or whatever oh, yeah. it is. Yep. Um, this gives you the ability to, to kind of modify your, your, your rooms. Right. Um, and, and, and it is tough. Like, I mean, I, I know I can only compare it to building a house because I've never built, you know, like besides right. this office, I've never really built a massive, you know, gigantic building and facility. Right. But I do know that, you know, looking at the room, it's like, is the room big enough? Like, can we right. put a sectional in here? You know, like it sounds stupid. <laughs> right. Like what size like, what size table can go right. in this room? You know, and like you don't really know. And then all of a sudden it never fails that when they built the room, like I could have easily fit. Right. a bigger couch. Um, well, and, so. I, and I think what people don't understand yet, because, you know, the VR isn't 
as widely used is in the industry they do do renderings of furniture and they do samples and the you know the interior architects do a great job but i and i didn't know this until today man you really get a sense of space mm -hmm. you really do like those tanks like like I, do you know exactly how tall those tanks are like because because I'm going to I could guess a size right yeah. now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It gave you the sense when you're walking up to it. I had a sense. I was like, okay, I'm about 100 feet away. Okay, I'm about, you know, 20 feet away. You had that sense built in. And that's where the fly-throughs that the rendering companies, the architectural rendering companies do, and the stills that they do, it's just not there. You don't have that space feel. That's no. what I love the most. Yeah. And, I mean, and just watching on his screen as you know he's we're seeing on his phone what you're seeing in right. the headset i'm watching you do all of this stuff and then but it still felt you know small right, right? and then you put that headset and you're like oh wow this is a, a big room and i'm behind this big desk but i could still move around and reach and do all these things it, it looks and feels totally different I, I the 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 scale and the uh the feeling of knowing like the depth right my depth perceptions right. there right like i know what's 20 feet and 10 right. feet um it's funny when i first got into it and this was before i knew that virtual fence i got in a, this, this ridiculous <laughs> game called robo recall okay and robo recall is like you're on the streets and this in this these buildings around you and these robots are coming at you okay and i mean sometimes they shoot it and you can like catch a bullet but you feel the bullet at your head and you can go like this kind of matrix style and see it fly by you, and you, you can tell it's six inches from you. Right. And you can snag the bullet and throw it back. And it's right. like this crazy thing that, like, you get so captivated, and it's so immersive, and that the, the feeling is there that it, like, those right. buildings feel huge, right? right? I, I can It feels like it's 100 feet in the air, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so, and I, anyway, the story is I actually was so caught up with, like, throwing robots and, and hitting them <laughs> that one of them, like, came at my face and I went to swat at him and I almost put my hand through the window because right. I was in a room and I didn't put my virtual right. fence up. Um, but, but that, that's the value. I mean, that's the value for design, right? That's the value for training. Um, you mentioned the idea of therapists using it. Yeah. They've already started using this in ways to help people get over fears. Oh, yeah. So like there's a, I think there was one that did like a 10 step program about fear of heights Wow. and it just starts you like on a couch away from a window but you're on like the second floor yeah. you know and then eventually you you know you might be you know on the top of a skyscraper but way back yeah um oh. I, I have a fear of heights and i applied for a job to be those wind turbine uh, engineers and my Absolutely dad my not. dad was like what what are you doing like you you understand you have to climb up there right i go no 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 i was just gonna, <laughs> i was designing the the you know the blades and he's like no no, that's like 150 feet in the air. You won't last a second. I was on an offshore drilling rig on the platform walking around, and you can see through the grate. Yeah, that was horrible. The the um, <laughs> one of my favorite demo videos I always saw when 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 um, when this was really new was uh, they they stuck like a two by four on the ground. Okay. Okay. And they brought people in the room. They knew it was a two by four. Okay. And they put them on there. And there was a stuffed animal cat at the very end of this board. Let's okay. say the board. Let's just say it was a ten feet. Okay. And then you put it on, and now you are standing at, a, at on a skyscraper. Okay. And you're walking a plank between another skyscraper, mm. and you're trying to go get the cat, right? And so these people are literally on a board that's two inches thick, and they're walking on this thing, and they're and they're 
unbelievably nervous. And when they they actually had spotters there because when they would fall off this board because they would get like this yeah. vertigo or start tripping out, they'd have to be caught. Yes. Um, because they were afraid of, of falling. But it brings up an interesting thing around construction, right? Because right. Like, a lot of times you're working at heights, yep. and and some people don't really understand what that feels like. Right. And this also strangely provides that. It's really weird to feel like you're looking off the side. Right. There's one I'll, I'll put you in. You can. Right. It's, it's rock climbing. <laughs> no, like, it's rock climbing, and you yeah. get up really high, and all of a sudden your hand slips. Yeah. And, uh. and you get that you get that like sink in your gut. Right. Like it, it all of a sudden drops you, and then you're like, oh, okay, it's just a game. Yeah, you have a cocky 23 year old thinks he can climb a wind turbine, and you put him through that simulation, and you go, yeah, I'm not hiring you. Yeah. <laughs> be like, yeah, that was smart. Don't, yeah. Don't hire me. Exactly. I didn't know what I was talking about at all. That was stupid. Right. <laughs> Can you go ahead and put me into the therapy version? <laughs> right. Now, like, yeah, put me into that. the, yeah. Where's HR? That yeah. was horrible. <laughs> well, nice. Well, gentlemen, we covered a lot today. Yeah. On all different uh, aspects related to tech construction and some <laughs> maybe not so much. But any any last thoughts on on our conversation today, anything that we didn't cover that you feel like you want to share? No, just that I, I'm, I have a last name envy. I mean, I'm stuck with the name Bogus. Bogus. Name. Yeah. And he has Zachariah. Oh, and it there is you just go. Yeah. Way cooler. I had to deal with Bogus growing up. You got the coolest last name. Right. I, it, it, I do. I love the last name. And, you know, but I did. I got. I walked last at graduation. You know, mm. there's there's some yeah. there's some disadvantages to being at the end. Always right? Z, and and it's always interesting to hear the different pronunciations. So yeah, yeah. but uh, but no, any uh, any other last thoughts? Any other? No, no, no other words of wisdom or dreams of. No, I'm grandeur. very excited of <laughs> dreams of grandeur. So uh, if you got money, let me know. Yeah, <laughs> my, my only thought is is think big with this stuff because the, yeah. the sky's the limit, as you can see by our visionary uh, Kyle. But <laughs> but start small. Sure. Right. You know? and, and, and if you can think that way, I say you need to go for it. There's not a company, um, you know, that shouldn't be considering this. Um, and, and it's just a technology that I'm super passionate about. And yeah. obviously, because I started the company around this. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's something that I, I, I think that it has credibility now. It, it, it's building more and more yeah. and the market is showing that. Um, and there's just a ton of hardware. There's a ton of software. There's a ton of simulations and gaming engines. And so it's a lot to sort through and it's a lot. So that's why you just need to kind of take some time to research it, figure it out, talk to companies like mine, you know, and, and, and determine what the right use case is. Right. I think it's great advice. Think big and, and start small. Definitely. Right. So, uh, yeah, I, look, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Really so. enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for putting us through the, uh, the VR demos, um, that I, you know, got to feel like I was ready player one. And then, uh, doing a little bit of distracted driving like the Mythbusters. So uh, very, very cool experience. Appreciate you sharing awesome. that with us. Yeah. I'm glad you guys came out. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Awesome. And uh, for everybody that was watching or listening today, appreciate you joining us. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Building Value.